Good morning. <laughs> uh, the staff was away um, last weekend, and all it takes is to be away from home to realize what, what you really took for granted. And uh, we're just talking about how much we missed our church. And um, yeah, last I was supposed to preach last Sunday, and then it snowed a lot. And then I woke up this morning, and it was snowing again. I was like, God, do you not want me to preach or something like that? But we're here. <laughs> Praise God. My name is Hojin. I'm one of the members on staff, and um, it's my privilege to, to preach this morning. And maybe you're thinking, man, I'm trekking all the way out. I hope Eugene is preaching. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I will say this message has been on my heart for two weeks now, and I feel that it is something that God really needed to speak to me and hopefully wanted, wants to speak to you. So... Um, just as, just as a quick reminder, we're in Lent. It's kind of hard to believe we're almost at the end of February. And for, for us, um, Lent is a 40 day period starting with Ash Wednesday and it ends with Easter Sunday. And when you don't count the Sundays, cause they're considered like mini Easters, it's a time of preparation. We're commemorating the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and a lot of people, what they do is they'll, they'll abstain from something that they've grown really dependent on. I've heard of people who do like social media fast, um, people who do coffee fast. Uh, the brave people do like meat. Uh, that's, yeah, may the Lord bless you. I'm not doing that. So, <laughs> But others of us will add stuff to our daily routine. We'll commit to reading the Bible a little bit more than usual, right? Not just reading the Bible during Lent. Uh, we, some people commit to praying a little bit more during Lent, and it's all for the purposes of experiencing God deeper, fuller. And in the same way, through our uh, sermon series through Mark, we are kind of approaching Easter also. We're about halfway into the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to start to see um, starting next week, that Jesus is, he's determined, he's resolute, he's heading to Jerusalem. And what Jerusalem represents is he's going to die, he's going to suffer. And that contradicts every notion of a Messiah, the king that was supposed to come to represent the Israelites. We're going to see that this Savior needs to suffer and die. But before that happens, we, we hit this miracle in Mark chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 8. We're going to read uh, just verses 22 to 26. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. This is uh, a uh, healing of a blind man. And when we, maybe you've been at the church for a while, the healing of a blind man doesn't strike us as anything surprising. Jesus has healed a bunch of people thus far, even through the passages that we've chosen for Sundays. But this miracle is very unusual. Very unusual because if it were up to me, I don't know if I would have included it in this gospel. It's unusual because it looks like Jesus doesn't heal on the first try. It looks like Jesus initially fails in trying to help this blind man see again. 
So we're going to read this passage, Mark 8, verses 22 to 26. I'm using a physical Bible because I told my discipleship class to always carry their physical Bible, so I'm not going to look at that, um, or else I'll be a hypocrite. Mark chapter 8. And they, Jesus and, <clears throat> and the disciples, came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to Jesus a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Let's pray. Father, we um, thank you for your word. Uh, Even in passages like this that are kind of, uh, yeah, unusual they don't seem to fit the the typical outcome of, of what your son was supposed to come and do. That your son was supposed to come and heal. We're used to Jesus healing immediately. But in this passage, we see that it doesn't happen right away. We pray for all of us here who might be going through situations just like that. Struggles. Conflicts just temptations, whatever it may be, that we can't seem to shake off. We pray that your word will speak loud and clear. We thank you that you thrive by using the weak people to prove your power, that you use the foolish people to shame the wise, and you use broken people for your glory. Help us never to take that for granted. So, Father, we pray for you to meet us here, that especially on this Sunday as we've uh, tried so hard to get here safely, that you would make this Sunday so worth it, that we would leave this place so filled by you, so encouraged by you, so challenged by you, that all that comes out of our mouths, all that comes out of our minds and hearts is worship unto the living God. So meet us here, God, um, not because of anything I say, but because of who you are, what you've already done. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so I've kind of alluded to it, but the majority of Mark's or the Gospels in general talk about Jesus' healings, and they just happen right away. Just, especially in Mark, the word immediately is used everywhere. And we, we looked at... Uh, bunch of passages already where the bleeding woman was healed, Jairus' daughter was healed, raised to life even. But this passage, why? Why Why does Mark include it? To what benefit does he include this passage? By digging deeper into this passage, I'm going to assert, I'm going to claim that this physical healing is going to show us this physical sight being restored is going to show us what Jesus typically does to give us spiritual sight. We kind of expect through the Gospels that, man, Jesus 
he heals like, like this. Like, easy, right? He just like brushes off his shoulder and people get healed like crazy. People touch his clothes and they're, they're made new again. But that's not the reality for, for us a lot of times. So today, I want all of us to know that Jesus will help you see. He promises it. He will help you see. And he's going to do it in three ways based on this passage. The first is, he does it in a very intimate way. A very intimate way. When we look at Jesus' interaction with this blind man, it's, there's, there's a lot of emphasis on the way he does it. Jesus takes the blind man by the hand, leads him out of the village. So it's like one-on-one time. And then he spits on his eyes. He lays his hands on him. He asks him a direct question. Do you see anything? And in verse 25, he lays his hands on him again. Why is this so important? Because a blind man can't see. What, what is going to communicate to the blind man the best way? He's going to touch him as much as he can. By the hand, walks him. You know, for, for us, just take a moment. And I, this is kind of dangerous because y'all you, you might fall, fall asleep. But close your eyes. <laughs> no, really, like close your eyes. And just whatever your senses are, are telling you right now, just absorb it. You can uh, hear me smack my lips. You probably wouldn't have noticed that. You might be more aware of the temperature in the room. You might be able to hear yourself breathe or the person next to you breathe. Maybe the person next to you didn't brush their teeth when you smell their BO. But you become more aware. All right, open your eyes. Don't fall asleep. Come on. (laughs) But Jesus, what he does, he... He accommodates to this blind man and makes sure that this blind man knows that Jesus' Jesus presence is real. Jesus' presence is right there with him. Just think about it. The spit on his eyes, he would have felt the warmth or the coolness of it. The hands that are put on his face, this blind man would have remembered. It's an unforgettable encounter with Jesus. A blind man will definitely notice these things. But then when we think about it, Jesus is more than able to command this blind man's eyes to be restored from a distance, right? From miles away, be like, oh yeah, I'm going to yeah, heal him and move on to the next person. But what he does, he takes him by the hand in a very personal way, in a way that this blind man will probably remember forever. And for us, God wants to make himself known to us in that type of intimate way. And the scary thing is that what Jesus does with this blind man, he touches him in the most broken place on his body, in the eyes. And for us, what we usually want is, oh, a general blessing. God bless me. Help me 
do this general task of living out my life. Help me be faithful. But what about the specific areas where you're struggling the most, where you're hurting the most, where you haven't seen fruit in your prayers? Jesus wants to speak directly into those things. Maybe you've been praying for a family member. Maybe you've been having a hard time with schoolwork at your workplaces. God wants to target, or Jesus wants to speak directly into it. He wants you to know that he is with you, that he cares for you, he loves you. He wants to make sure we feel his presence, we know his power. Not only in our heads, but in our hearts. Secondly, not only does he do it in an intimate way, he does it in a gradual way. And this is the most unique part of this miracle. And I wish this blind man didn't speak because I don't know what he's talking about. Jesus does the, the, this ritual, right? Spitting on the, the blind man's eyes, laying his hands, and then it's almost like Jesus is checking up on him. Hey, did that work? <laughs> Do you see anything? And the blind man answers, I see men, but they look like trees walking. Essentially, he's saying, I don't really see what's going on. I could kind of generally make it out, but I don't really know what's really happening in front of me. Because trees aren't supposed to walk. Why doesn't Jesus heal the blind man immediately? Mark doesn't really tell us much from this passage. But when we think about all of Scripture as a whole, we have to realize that Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. Who he is, what he's done. And Jesus... is fully God. He's fully man, fully God, and he's able to heal however he wants to. But then when we put ourselves in the blind man's shoes, we're like, man, that's, that stinks. That's not fair. Put yourself in the blind man's shoes. You would be like, hey, I heard a lot of things about you. This is supposed to work. Why isn't it working? I'll share a quick testimony about me. Um, <clears throat> I got kicked out of college freshman year, if you didn't know. Uh, that's part of my testimony. And I could, I could tell you a lot more about it uh, in a, I guess, more smaller setting. But <clears throat> I was trying to get back into my school, back into the computer engineering program at the University of Illinois. And um, I got back in, but the condition was that now that I was back in, I had to pretty much ace my computer engineering courses, my junior year. And I was taking three of them. I was taking three computer engineering courses. I need to get 4.0 in computer engineering. And I was doing it for two classes. In this one stinking class, I was, I was studying so hard. Um, I don't know if I've ever studied like that in my life. Um, I was just getting like the class average pretty much each time. And my last exam of that semester, I pretty much had to ace it to get an A. 
I remember telling my friend, my like upperclassman friend, I didn't have a car. I told him, hey, take me like miles away from campus, drop me off and don't come back. I'm just going to study. That's how I studied. I was so like, I, I was praying. I remember I, like reading the Bible before like studying because like, God, I need to get an A. You know, it's so selfish, right? God, I need to get an A. And I remember going to this exam. And I opened the exam. There's four questions. I don't know how to, how to answer two. Already, like, I've pretty much, you know, like, not gotten the A in the class. I remember leaving that lecture hall early from the exam, and I was so, so angry. So angry that I, like, lost it. I, like, really lost it. And I looked up at the sky. <laughs> You'll see how messed up I am. I gave... Got the middle finger, and I said, WTF, but really, I said, what, the, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the crazy thing is, like, in that moment of, like, reacting so strong, if I look back now, like, if I passed that exam, I would probably be a computer engineer right now. I don't think I would be in ministry. And what's even more messed up is that during high school, I had this hunch that I was supposed to go into ministry, that I was supposed to go to seminary. I was supposed to serve in this like specific way of full-time ministry. And I was ignoring it, and I was saying, hey, God, this is my plan. I'm going to be an engineer, make a lot of money, get comfortable, retire, and then maybe do ministry. Maybe do ministry. So pretty much I said, God, my plan, and I said, hey, make this work out. This is what I'm going to go for. And then when it didn't go my way, what did I do? I cursed out God. And for me, the, the issue was that, God, like, why would you make me go through that? Why would you have me, like, pretty much fail again in college? Fail again in college. But that was, like, a period of sanctification for me. Because he was exposing my sinfulness, my selfish heart. And if I didn't go through that, I might have been fighting with God even now. So for me, like, why does God heal this blind man gradually? It's because he's trying to teach the blind man a lesson. Because for me, I think about my heart, my selfish and stubborn heart. If I got all my problems fixed right away, I don't really care who Jesus is. I would just care about what he gives to me, what he does for me. There's a lot of times when we have to learn and then relearn spiritual lessons. But underlying the reason why Jesus does things gradually is that we don't know why a lot of times, but underlying that reason is that he's a good God. He's not going to do anything to make you suffer unnecessarily. He's doing it all for your good. He's never going to hurt you as a detriment. Even in Romans eight thirty-one to 32, it says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up, for us all, how will he not also, with Jesus, graciously give us all things? How will he not also graciously give us all things? 
And there will be times when Jesus helps us see immediately, but most of the time, oftentimes, he will do it gradually. And for that reason, I love that this passage is in this gospel. Because for us as a culture, we have our smartphones. If we have a question, we can look it up, Wikipedia, right away. If we want to listen to a song, we just pull it up on YouTube. Everything is immediate gratification. But for us as believers, when Jesus has his own timetable, his own plan, are we willing to seek out what he's trying to teach us, what he's trying to show us? So Jesus will help us see spiritually in an intimate way, in a gradual way. And then lastly, he's going to help us see in a complete way, in a complete way. When Jesus comes to the blind man, he's committed to restoring his physical sight. It's clear because if he spit on his eyes, laid his hands, and asked, do you see anything? And then we got that bizarre answer. Jesus could have left and said, hey, that's how you're going to see for the rest of your life. The people you see, they're going to look like trees. But what does he do? He lays his hands on him again. And what what happens after that? The blind man opens his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Those three phrases right there, they're pretty much saying the same thing three times. He opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. It's pretty redundant. It's intentionally redundant. Not only that, but that last phrase, he saw everything clearly. That word, everything... It's not the typical uh, Greek word for everything. It's the intensive version of everything. It's absolutely everything. And on top of that, clearly the adverb is there. So he saw absolutely everything clearly. Mark is being very intentionally redundant. In a situation where Jesus looks like he's not being efficient with what he's doing, almost like a trial and error healing. In the end, he doesn't fail. What Jesus does is that he helps this blind man see absolutely everything clearly. And for us too, he wants us to be able to see everything, absolutely everything clearly. And the blind man might have received physical sight, but I'm going to say that us receiving spiritual sight is a greater miracle. For us to say Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and really mean it from the depths of our hearts, that's a miracle. We should never take that for granted. Because when I think about myself, I'm not very different from the average person who's not a believer. I'm just as sinful, if not more sinful than them. It just so happens that God showed me grace. For whatever reason. And what does that grace look like? That grace comes in the form of showing me, showing us how sinful and hopeless we are without him. That grace also comes by showing us how free the gift of salvation is. At no cost to us, but how costly it was to Jesus Christ. And then, On top of that, we are able to enter into eternal joy, bottomless hope, 
that can't be found anywhere in this life. We're going to spend the rest of our physical lives, the rest of our spiritual lives, just deepening our understanding of that grace. That's, I think, a greater miracle than receiving physical sight. Because this blind man, like all the other healings that Eugene mentioned, this blind man dies. But what, what matters is whether he's able to see spiritually. And I don't want to assume that all of us here have confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of our hearts. And I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're willing to even hear someone talk about this Jesus. And I'm willing to sit down and talk to you more. But at the same time, talking about him isn't enough either. The, the prayer that I have is that Jesus would somehow tangibly show just like how he intimately reached out to this blind man. That he loves you no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done. Jesus wants you to see clearly who he is, that he loves you, why he loves you, and how he was willing to die for you. So this, just this short passage, Jesus is going to help, he wants to help us see whether we've been a Christian for a short time, long time, or we, we don't even know anything about this Jesus Jesus wants to help us see spiritually in an intimate way, gradual way, in a complete way. And just a couple of quick applications. First is that we have to be on the lookout for Jesus' intimate touch on our lives. Like, believe it. He wants to reach out to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to claim those broken areas of your life. Will you give him the chance? Maybe this Lent season, give him an, an opportunity to interrupt your life, to bring to your sight something that he's been trying to do so that he can prove that he's, his presence was real, his presence was there with you, his power is felt by us. Second is that we have to worship now for what we know about Jesus. And yet still hunger for more so that we can gradually, gradually have more of him revealed to us. I'm, I might have shared this story, but I had a friend in college and she was like, like the most innocent person, like borderline naive. I don't know if you've ever known anybody, anybody like that. Innocent, borderline na- naive, but she would always pray. Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. And it wasn't like this selfish, Lord, bless me with, like, a lot of money. Lord, bless me with, you know, um, like, health. But she would just, it would be just like a, a tick, you know. She would just, like, say it over and over and over again. And, like, the, the way that things, like, panned out for her sometimes were, like, it, it would be hard to believe, like when she needed a certain amount of money, she, she got it, like almost to the penny. And for her, she knew that God was somebody who blessed her. And just knowing that one simple truth about God, it should make us praise him over and over and over again. And not only that, we're, we should be able to share it with others and testify to it over and over and over again. But not stop there, but to hunger more and more and more. 
Because what Jesus wants to do is reveal more of himself to you. And for some of us, we, we feel like our inability to see Jesus in our lives is, we, we point the finger at God like, like I did when I cursed out God. But our inability to see Jesus is often because we don't see our constant need for him. We don't ask for more of him. And then lastly, we must persevere in trusting in Jesus until we see completely. We must persevere in trusting in Jesus until we see completely. What are some of the most uncertain areas of your life? The fruitless areas of your life? If Jesus is this intimate Savior, this Jesus who is able to he, he is in control. He will gradually, He will eventually reveal all things to you. He will complete that work. He will help you see spiritually. Will you, on the flip side, commit to Him, trust Him through the ups and downs of life, through especially the struggles? And some of us here feel like we're so stained by some of the things that have happened in our past. We feel like we failed big time. But to see that God can redeem those things, that God will help us see the worth of those things, that Jesus will help us see. And for all of us, we all have uh, spiritual blind spots. We, Even as a believer for me, I have a lot of things that I'm just unaware of my own sin. That's where I need brothers and sisters to call me out. That's when I need to go to Jesus and to keep asking him what he's trying to do, what he's trying to show to me in this progressive way. But at the same time, we have a lot of comfort because our responsibility isn't to know all the answers to the why, why we're going through certain things in our lives, but to trust in the, the one who does know, the one who is in control. Everything will make sense to us one day as long as we're committed to trusting in Jesus. Jesus wants, to see, wants us to see clearly. He will help us to see, see clearly in an intimate way, in a gradual way, and in a complete way. Let's pray. Father, we... Uh, we just come before you and yeah, we just lay ourselves down down to you, God, and um, even in, in this scripture, the healing of this blind man, it's just a, such a short passage where we ask that you would help us to draw deep truths. We pray especially for those who uh, don't understand what, what's really going on in, in their own lives and and why um, certain things are, have turned out the way that they have. But we, we pray that you would really assure us that your son is with us, that your son knows the pain that we feel, the anguish that we feel. And that's where 
Jesus thrives. He wants to claim those areas for your namesake, God. We also pray for, for us to be able to cling to, to Jesus, the only hope that we have. We, we ask that you would reveal things to us as quickly as possible, but not at the cost of us learning about who you are and what you've done for us. And God, we also ask for just an overwhelming hope to know that you will bring it to completion. The, the good work that you started in us, you're going to bring it to completion. You're going to help us to, to have our spiritual eyes open so much that we can be able to see the living God face to face where all we can do is worship you for all of eternity. So Father, we, um, we ask that you would help us. We ask that you would strengthen us today. We pray for those who are... Um, who don't even know where to start, that you would meet them here. You would touch them just like you touched the blind man in, in his eyes. Lord, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.